Hello and welcome to The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer, co-head of Fixed Income at Yarra Capital, and joining me as always is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. Well, it's the first Tuesday of November, and it's not only Melbourne Cup Day, but the RBA has just met, and uh, as is their uh, punching to do, uh, they haven't let anyone down and they've moved interest rates yet again. So today we saw a 25 basis point hike in the cash rate, so pretty much consistent with um, the previous month. What did you see in the statement, Chris, that sort of caught your attention. The statement looked pretty similar to last month. I think there was a a couple of things squeezed in there that they added though that point to the RBA getting to a point where they're they're probably ready to to really slow down from here. So one of those is that at the very end of the statement, they said that the board has increased interest rates materially since May, which there's no real point to add unless you're pointing out how far you've moved interest rates. And the second one is that they've recognised that monetary policy works with a lag. So when you combine kind of slipping those two things in there, I think they're starting to point out that they have tightened conditions pretty pretty well now. Yeah, I think to put that in context, you know, we would go back to the 1994 scenario, that was 275 basis points of tightening. We've now equaled that that particular one. And we're only sort of one hike now off the, the largest tightening cycle that the RBA has ended in the inflation targeting world. So, you know, in the past, that's been sufficient to slow things down enough to get us to where we need to be. I guess the big question is, you know, do they need to do a lot more? No doubt the market won't give up on, on further hikes and, and the RBA certainly has mentioned that they still think they might need to do more. It certainly doesn't sound like the RBA is talking about rates being accommodative anymore and they certainly, to me, sound like they've gone past the neutral point as well. Yeah, one of the the preferred measures that I like to look at is the percentage of income that goes to paying interest. When I run that measure now, we are just under where the metric got to in 2010. And the only times that it was around these levels or higher was in 1990 and 2008. So essentially, the cost of servicing a mortgage is now as high as it's been in history. And the RBA actually pointed that out in last month's minutes, where they've said that the required mortgage payments as a share of household income are expected to increase to levels last seen in 2010. So if you look at those periods of 1990, 2008 and 2010, they're all either a recession is on the doorstep or we narrowly avoided one. So I think once you've pushed rates this far, you should be starting to think of slowing down and if not stopping because it is as tight as it's been for the past 40 years. I think the the other thing in the statement that was interesting is that they have revised their uh, terminal sort of inflation rate up to around 8% now, which is a little bit higher than last month, but they're equally revised down their growth rate. I mean, it shouldn't come as a shock to anybody to know that if you keep tightening interest rates, growth's going to come off. But, you know, it certainly seems that the RBA is getting comfortable that they're getting closer to the peak in inflation as well. You know, they nudged it higher, but it wasn't a significant increase. Yeah, and I think when you're looking kind of at what the RBA is talking about and what they're doing, certainly at the moment they're saying the Australian economy is strong, but, you know, the, the future growth outlook is is starting to slow down. And I think then when you put kind of all the evidence together and you say, well, why are they going 25 now instead of 50s? Well, you've got a housing market that looks very shaky. You've got offshore growth that's starting to look very shaky. And now you've got rates that are at historically kind of tight levels as a percentage of an income, while kind of the outright rate is not super high. The level of debt in the Australian economy is so high now that 
the income that that uses up is quite large. So, you know, I, I think for the RBA here, there's quite a few things that they're going to be wanting to look at, housing prices, employment growth, and then whether or not that kind of lagging inflation in indicator that we've talked about before starts to come off from here. Yeah, there had been some speculation, particularly in the media, that they could have seen 50 basis points this month and there'd been a few economists that had also <laughs> sort of backed that given a slightly higher inflation print previous quarter. To me, the RBA would have probably backed themselves into a pretty deep hole if they suddenly changed, attacked from, you know, basically saying last month that they thought they were getting close to the end to suddenly jam on the uh, the brakes again much harder. I think also, you know, that makes me a bit more comfortable that perhaps, you know, the RBA is at least getting to a point where it may end up pausing, but a lot's going to depend, I guess, on the next inflation print. They've sort of said it's going to be higher, and, and I think most people are expecting it, but it's really got to a point, I think, now where we, we really have to start thinking that we're going to see a period of time where the RBA don't tighten rates, uh, you know, after seven in, in a row, which is, you know, unheard of almost. Yeah, and perhaps it also sets up where if you think the inflation print's going to be higher in the future, well, you can wait to confirm that it is rather than going every month like we've seen. It would be, I guess, good to see potentially a pause here. And then if inflation is high and growth doesn't come off next year, then we can start the process again. I don't think that they need to go, you know, another 50, another 75 before we see the next uh, inflation print. Because if they do that, then that kind of household debt service metric that I talked about will be the worst ever. So at that point, in time you'll be sitting at extremely expensive mortgages and that will probably start to put real pressure on the housing market. As we mentioned last month too, it was the statement was pretty much similar in that they're they're talking up the local economy to some extent and that it still looks okay, although there was a lot of qualifications (laughs) in this statement that probably weren't there last month, but they seem very, very worried about offshore. It seems a very different outlook to what the Fed, like the Fed doesn't seem to care what's going on in the rest of the world, they're just thinking about inflation, inflation, but the RBA's now made, you know, several comments to the fact that offshore looks pretty sick. You know, do we think, you know, this is likely to see the Fed also start to take that into account? It's hard to really tell with the Fed because a lot of the governors, with what they've been speaking about, they've still been saying they want to get the cash rate to to 4.5%, which would imply, you know, another jumbo hike and then potentially a couple of 50s and maybe some 25s to come after that. When you look at the world at the moment, what we're starting to see is relatively rare from a from a data perspective. So I like to watch the the PMIs of the world's largest exporters. So that's Japan, China, Germany, South Korea and the US. All of those countries are now below 50 except for Japan, who's dead on 50. And if you look at it, the Eurozone, for example, they're at 46. So when those PMIs drop below 50, it's usually implying that growth is starting to contract. And what you would normally see is rates would actually start falling to to bring those economies back to life. At the moment, we're seeing the exact opposite. So if the Federal Reserve is intent on doing, you know, 75 tomorrow night and then another 50 or 100 after that, I think it stands to reason that all these countries are going to continue to soften. Yeah, the other interesting thing in some of the US data is that we had seen, you know, some sort of patchy data across various districts in the US, but pretty much the whole country now is in the red in a lot of their forward-looking indicators. So it's probably getting harder for the Fed to, to look anywhere in the country now and find a, a spot of brightness to, to, to tie their uh, chariot to. But, you know, it, it's, it's still, um, you know, they're not making any 
concessions as to pausing, even though the market thinks it's coming close. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, given they're also uh, meeting this week. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I certainly found quite interesting, if you look at the Bank of Canada comments just from this month as well, they hiked 50 when the market thought they were going to go 75. But there's starting to seem to be very similar statements coming across these central banks that growth is definitely slowing. So if you look in the the Bank of Canada comment, they said that growth is projected to essentially stall in Canada, which, you know, is a pretty rare thing to hear from a central bank. And they also said that in the euro area, activity is forecasted to contract. So, you know, the Bank of Canada is saying we're not going to grow. Europe's going to contract. You've got the RBA saying growth is slowing. And yet you've still got central banks talking you know, 7,500 point hikes. So they're still trying to kill demand to bring that inflation level down. And, you know, as we said before, those PMIs are all contractionary. So it looks like it's going to be hard for a country like the US to just sail through when the rest of the world starts to turn ugly. One thing we've obviously talked a fair amount of in the past is house prices. Um, we've seen quite considerable drops in house prices already in Sydney and Melbourne. Now Brisbane's starting to catch up. The RBA's own forecasts are fairly dire based on you know the past rate hike cycle already, not factoring in what they've already gone well past what they were looking at. You know Where do you think and what does the RBA say is likely path if they keep tightening at the pace they're going? Yeah, so there, there were articles coming out talking about the RBA's forecasts of house prices potentially falling 20%. I think the easiest way to look at what's going on in the housing market at the moment is just the ability of a person to borrow money. So if you think about kind of servicing a mortgage, if you think that the average household can pay about $600 a week, which is 30% of household income, then when interest rates were down at 2%, that household could borrow $750,000. Now that mortgage rates are closer to 5 6%, that borrowing power has dropped to $500,000. So just from moving rates, the RBA has reduced the ability to borrow money for the average household from $750,000 down to five hundred. dollars And if they keep pushing rates higher, it'll probably drop down to four fifty dollars or $400,000. So when the RBA says, you know, potentially house prices could fall 20% here, most of that is just people's ability to borrow. And if they keep pushing rates the way the market is expecting, the ability to borrow is just going to keep dropping and with that the housing market should follow. Yeah, I think it's um, a lot of commentators make the fact that house prices went up 30 to 50% in some areas, so a 20% drop is nothing, but that's not really how percentages work. You know, 20% drop pretty much wipes out all of that 50% gain or close to it. So, you know, for anyone who's borrowed money to buy a house in the last two years is going to be significantly underwater already and it can continue to get a lot worse. So there's been no real signs of mortgage arrears. There's been a little bit of an increase. That's probably the one thing we also need to keep an eye on, you know, how that sort of evolves. You know, the one good thing is that employment is still relatively strong and that's probably... You know, the thing we look at most for, um, you know, st- uh, stress in mortgage markets. But it's certainly, you know, from a house price point of view, um, it's not a, good, uh, not a good outcome for anybody at the moment. Yeah, and usually those kind of house price and wealth measures flow through into things like retail sales and people's ability to spend and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it is different this time that because house prices went so high, it's not going to have the same effect on the way down. That seems pretty doubtful in my opinion. Usually falling house prices is a precursor of of soft economic conditions to come. But I, I guess it's also interesting to look at that employment 
figure as well because the RBA is pointing out that they're expecting employment to remain strong, they're expecting wages to remain strong, and even if the employment market slows down, they're only expecting a, an unemployment rate of, say, 4% over the next 12 months. So, Chris, we're, we're bond managers, not economists, even though we like to play economists now and then. You know, you mentioned before that we're probably seeing some of the worst sort of rate outcomes for retail investors, or sorry, you know, owners of housing, things like that, in sort of 2008, 1990, and I think 2011 was the other time you mentioned. But generally, the bond market has done pretty well after those periods of time. So we, we've seen, you know, a couple of bad years or one bad year mostly, but then bonds have followed through and, and performed pretty well. What's your expectation this time around, given what we've seen in the past? Yeah, so I think you need to break this into two chunks being short dated bonds. So if you kind of think of something that's going to mature in, say, three years and then long dated bonds. So something that's going to mature in, say, 10 or 20 years. If you think of those short dated bonds, they typically follow the cash rate pretty well. So if you look in Australia, three year bonds, probably three, three and a half percent. And if you look in the US, a a three year bonds kind of four, four and a half percent. If we are approaching kind of the end of the cash rate hiking cycle, so the RBA can still hike, but it's nowhere near as aggressive as it was before, then if you can hold a short dated bond to maturity, so you're going to buy and hang on for three years, you basically know you're going to get that three and a half percent yield over that period. So certainly for a person who can kind of look through, I guess, the disruptions that they're going to expect over the next 12 to 24 months, three, three and a half percent yield for a risk reinvestment is pretty good. If you look at the US, it, it's starting to look even better because the, it's still pricing in a lot of hikes when those two year bonds are at four and a half percent. If you kind of step into the longer maturity world where you can't just say, I'm going to hang on to this thing for 10 years because you don't know what's going to happen over that period, it's probably a little bit harder to just say, you know, I know I'm going to get this 3.5% yield, so I'm just going to hang on. And so I think when you do that, what you want to think about is looking where bond yields peak. And if you look at a long dated bond, the 10 year bonds typically peak where the terminal cash rate is. So when the market expects the cash rate to stop at 4.5%. The 10-year bond will typically trade somewhere between 4 and 5% before it stops. So at the moment, given that the Fed is telling us that they're probably going to get to 450 and we're expecting that this recessionary data kind of starts to intensify, I, I think that tells us we are getting pretty close to the end of this rate hiking cycle. And because of that, a 10-year bond close to 4.5% in the US would be a pretty good level to be buying. Yeah, I think one of the other things investors in bonds need to think about too is that when we had zero rates and almost no income from bonds, you know, the price impact of uh, those first rate hikes was pretty severe and, and savage, which is why returns on bonds have been as bad as they've ever been in my <laughs> career. But as we've starting to get more and more income, it acts as a cushion against further price declines. So even if we were to see a couple of hikes from here, the impact on bond prices is probably a lot less than what it was in those early rate hikes. So it's also something to keep in the back of the mind when thinking about you know the right time to get into to bond markets. Yes, we can always be wrong on rates and they can go higher, but the impact of that is going to be a lot less than what it was with 0% yields. Yeah, and certainly when I, I look at this, like we spend a lot of time focusing on that cash rate because not only do 10-year bonds typically peak at where that cash rate is, it's also going to be 
kind of determinative of the direction that that yields are moving. So I think kind of where where we have been wrong here, certainly where I've been wrong here, is just how far they've been willing to push this cash rate. So, you know, when we go back to those debt service metrics from the RBA, basically we're going from the easiest conditions we've seen in 50 years to the tightest conditions we will have seen in 50 years. And so there's been no middle ground of, you know, let's let's wait and see what the effect of this is. But as the recession signals get bigger, as the cost of borrowing gets higher and the housing market starts to fall, I think that's when you can become a little bit more confident that the cash rate's closer to its peak. Yeah, and I think the the other thing is the time that was taken over. We've done that literally in seven or eight months, where previously where we had a a long cycle where they went from really ultra-loose monetary policy to ultra-tight, it took four or five years. So that's also one of the other things. It's been quite a significant shock. And I think, you know, we're going to see that over the next six to 12 months when the the final impacts come through. Because as the RBA told us today, monetary policy works with lag. It's a shock to some, but uh, I think that one should be probably thought about a little more closely when people think about their future rate hike expectations. Well, that's it for the month. If you ever want to suggest topics or discuss anything further with Chris or I, we can be contacted at the rate debate at yarascm.com. Tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's December rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until then, stay safe. The Rate Debate podcast content may contain general advice. Before acting on anything in this podcast, you should consider your own objectives, financial situation or needs and seek the advice of an appropriately qualified financial advisor.